for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Happy Sunday, everyone. It's Sunday, February the 22nd. We're at the end of the month already. We're your hosts. I'm Will Strayhorn. I'm Janae Kay. I'm Alicia Brown. Yeah, so how, how was everybody's weekend? Oh, my weekend was pretty low-key, but it was pretty good. Low-key? All right. Janae, you, yeah. you had a low-key weekend, Janae. I had a, surprisingly, I had a low-key weekend. <laughs> How was yours, Alicia? I cannot complain. It was a good weekend. It was a productive weekend. Really okay. was. Yeah. Mine was yeah. good. I just had, um, you know, our we have one of our divisions, LFI Pageantry Services, so we were actually, um, one of our artists were in, what was it, Crystal City, I believe, up in near D.C., and um, she held it down by herself. We normally go as a team, but we all had things going on. I had my um, intern training here, and Nate had a concert that he sang in. So Yolanda Johnson held it down for LFI Pageantry Services in D.C. And I believe out of, I think she had five contestants, four of her contestants won. There were four oh, wow. individual um, divisions, divisions. So she did an awesome job. Um, so the weekend ahead, was good, very busy. Yeah, very busy, but it was good. We have a good show. Tell us about it, Alicia. We do. We are asking the question, if black sororities and fraternities, and we know them as the the black Greek letter organizations, if they are relevant, which really brings up an interesting question because we have a great guest expert who is going to talk about the history of the sororities and fraternities. She's going to talk about um, that correlation with our black history and things of that nature. But, you know, while researching that topic, one could ask the question, are we illustrating society's racism or, or prejudiceness by asking if black Greek letter organizations are still relevant? You know, if you look at it from one perspective, we're not asking if other predominantly white organizations or institutions are still relevant uh, and what impact they make on the local community. But here we're asking that question of the black uh, fraternities and sororities. So what did you both think about that? Well, first of all, let me just say, as a proud member, of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Okay. All right. <laughs> the topic, <laughs> this topic is very concerning to me because, again, when you think about the origin of these organizations and what they stand for, um, yes, there was a lot of um, racial issues that, you know, kind of caused them to become what they are. But, again, why are we having to question their relevance right now. You know, is, is that a racial, you know, undertone with that? And if so, why? Well, what say as, you, as, um, as being in a, a one-day hopeful 
brother of you know, Kappa <laughs> Alpha Psi fraternity. I'm on the outside right. looking at as so many other people. And um, I don't think it's such. A, I don't think it's a question that um, brings race or prejudice or discrimination to the question. I believe, unfortunately, um, as we know, bad news spreads quicker than than good news. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. due to some of the things that have made national headline news, um, some of the things um, like the sorority sisters show that um, I know there were some issues going on with the sororities that were represented, that they were mm-hmm. basically given a negative perception to society of what went on um, with the members in the, in the sororities. So, unfortunately, those things make top news. Um, we don't get to see mm-hmm. when the sororities and the fraternities go out and do community service. I also heard that some, I believe, the alphas paid for a funeral for some, some, some person. We don't hear those stories. Those aren't the stories that make national news. So, unfortunately, right. um, we just see what's bad. We see the hazing. We see the excessive partying. We see, the, the like, the reality shows. So it brings mm-hmm. us in our mind to actually question, well, if they were originally um, – Brought, brought about because they wanted to serve their communities, they wanted to raise leaders. We don't see that happening. Um, at least that's mm-hmm. not what's being portrayed in main media. Um, so I think that I think it's a valid question. Um, I believe mm-hmm. by the end of the night there will be no question that um, they are very still relevant. Um, and you know I, I don't think it's a problem with asking that question because media always sheds light on what's bad, what's going what's gonna to draw people's attention, unfortunately. What do you think yeah, about that's so true. You know, I'm always that person that likes to see things from both sides. Yeah. <laughs> I like to play devil's advocate a lot. Um, but the way I see that, you know, one of the beautiful things about our black history is just mm-hmm. the origins of how things are. And I think, you know, after this show tonight and speaking to our guest expert, we're really going to delve in. If you didn't know before, you'll know what the history of these organizations are. And so true, there are always a couple bad seeds and bad incidents where they're always going to cast a negative perception on something but they don't necessarily represent the organization as a whole. So I'm really excited to have uh, Felicia come on and and hear about that history, hear about the wonderful things that the different fraternities and and, uh, sororities in the black community are really doing to make a difference. Exactly, exactly. Also, stay tuned because the second part of the show, we're going to have um, a Greek shout-out. Basically, people are going to call in from the different organizations and tell personally um, how their lives have been enriched. Um, and benefit by being a member of the organization. But real quick, we're going to take a commercial break, and we're going to come back with Miss Felicia Commodore. You're listening to Let's Face It on the Survival Radio Network. We're your host, and we'll be right back. For the ultimate vacation, do you want the perfect wedding and honeymoon packages? How about a relaxing cruise or group travel destination? You need Phoenix One Travel. Phoenix One Travel is one of the leading providers of travel services and travel education in the world. Give us a call at 678-358-8588 or visit our website at www.phoenixone.com. 
phoenixonetravel.paycation.com. Let's plan your dream getaway today. This is the sound of salmonella gyrating on your undercooked chicken. And it looks like mom might be taking it out a little early. Don't let salmonella get funky with your chicken. On average, one in six Americans will get a foodborne illness this year. So use a thermometer to cook each type of meat to the right temperature. Keep your family safe at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. On the next episode of Recipes for Disaster. I'm making beef sliders for my friend Sammy. Nana taught me to always pull meat off the grill early so it's extra juicy. Use a food thermometer to ensure ground beef is 160 degrees or you could make people really sick. Sandy didn't think twice about the slider she ate until yoga class when a nasty case of food poisoning turned her downward-facing dog into upward-moving lunch. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov and learn the steps Maria unwittingly leaves out. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Hey America, we're your pets, and this song's dedicated to those people who don't have health insurance yet. So don't accept defeat Now you can get covered and still Buy me treats And roll! So listen to me A talking pug, you see If you get health insurance Preventive care is now free So sweet You take care of your pets Now it's their turn to take care of you Visit GetCoveredAmerica.org To learn about your health insurance options That's GetCoveredAmerica.org And take care, people. Brought to you by Get Covered America and the Ad Council. Hi, 
<laughs> Hi, I'm sorry. <laughs> welcome to the show. I'm not, I, I'm not sure what's happening, but welcome to the show. Yeah, um, thank you. No problem, no problem. So you do know my brother. Wonderful, wonderful. I You're do, I do. Yes, he's a yeah. great scholar, um, great role model for other uh, scholars of color coming through our fields. It's really great, great I, guy. I, I, I taught him everything he knows, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He'll actually be calling in a little bit later um, to um, give a shout-out for um, Alpha Phi Alpha. But um, I just wanted to start the conversation. We were talking, and because, unfortunately, because of a lot of the negative images that have been placed out, we all know that um, bad news spreads quicker than good news, unfortunately. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in the news lately there have been situations with hazing. Um, You know, they had the cancel show, the sorority sisters. Uh, uh, A plethora of things going on that unfortunately gave a negative perception to people who, um, unlike me, who are are not Greek. So the question came up, I believe it was first posed by um, Roland Martin, Um, are black fraternities and sororities still relevant? So um, just to start from the basics, Felicia, um, Mm -hmm. can you give us some history on why, the Black Greek Letter organizations were initially formed. What was their What was their purpose? Their general purpose for all of the organizations. What is some some history that you can share about them? Okay. Okay. Um. And and let me say first, thank you for um bringing this topic to our forefront. I think um a lot of people want to talk about this, but we we avoid it. So I think thank um you. it's really thank good you. conversation to have. Um. When you look at the beginning of Black Greek Letter organizations, they really were a response to the racism that was present um, in and ingrained in American society and history. And so these organizations brought together like-minded African-American individuals for the purpose of support and service. And so when you look particularly at the black Greek letter organizations that were started um, on college campuses, because there are organizations that were started, but they were more um, social and not necessarily in the collegiate setting like we um, the ones we popularly know now as the Divine Nine. But when you look at these organizations that were started on college campus, um, these organizations gave an opportunity for students to have places to come together, um, to have support and encouragement, both academically um, and personally. Um, and they they were there to help uplift not only their campus community but the the greater African American community. And also a place where they could unabashedly exhibit leadership, right? And so you look at the founding of Alpha Phi Alpha in 1906 at Cornell University, um, which was a, is a predominantly white institution. And so these black men um, were not able to be a part of the fraternal organizations that were on campus because they were black. And so this gave them an opportunity to have that bond of brotherhood, to have that support, to kind of have Uh. a safe space, which is kind of what we would call it today, right, the safe space where they could be educated, unabashed black male leaders and could could, um, come up with ways to use what they were learning and use their position of privilege of sorts, to be getting a college education to give back to their communities, to uplift their communities, um, this kind of talented 10th theory um, that they could go back in and with this bond and this network to uplift their communities. And so you see them kind of kick things off, and then you see um, these organizations being founded at Howard and Indiana University and Butler University, and um, it just continues to grow. Where these 
like-minded African-American students come together, um, find support in each other, find encouragement, find ways to give back to their communities. Mm. Oh. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, hello, um, Sora Felicia. This is Danae Kay. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? <laughs> great, great. <laughs> I'm jealous. Well, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, I, I really have to admit that, you know, I am somewhat biased when it comes to this topic because I know firsthand about all of the things that we do uh, within our organization as well as the others that do make us relevant today. So, of course, this is a little concerning to me that we're having to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, do you believe that as society has changed, the relevancy of black great letter organizations has changed. Okay. So so I tweak the word changed, right? So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that the relevancy has changed, but I would say that it's evolved a bit. Okay. And I, I use the word evolved instead of change because I think the word change um connotates that it has left its foundation completely. And I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I think there have been things as times have changed, as different societal ills have popped up, um, these organizations have had to add some things um, to their uh, to their purview to, to address. And I think that has happened. I think as African Americans um, gained more access um, mm-hmm. to education, um, to economic um, opportunities, I think that where BGLOs found themselves positioned had to had to evolve a, a little bit. Um, but I do think that at the core of this idea of support and service and sisterhood and brotherhood, I think those things are still there. I think they are still necessary and relevant um, because racism has not gone anywhere. Um, I think disparities between class groups have not gone anywhere. Um, and I think that social injustice has not gone anywhere. And when you really look at the core of these organizations, those are the things that they were addressing. And since those things have gone nowhere, I believe that these organizations are still relevant. It's just mm-hmm. that maybe how they have had to address things or the things in which they've addressed in the past has become a much more diverse group of um, issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So pretty much for anything, as 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 things evolve, you have to evolve with with the change of society. So you change the way mm-hmm. you, you do things and everything. Okay. Absolutely, I get exactly. I get that. Good point. Well, good evening, good Felicia. Good evening. This is Alicia Brown, and like Will, <laughs> I I'm not a member, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay, it's all right. <laughs> If I was going to be a member, I would say I would be Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. So, you know, I feel somewhat included, but it's all right. You you mentioned earlier, I know, you mentioned earlier about the foundation um, in which the the fraternities and the sororities were built upon. And Mm -hmm. in the past, most of the black leaders, they did belong to the black Greek letter organizations, um, like Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King, Coretta Scott King, uh, Thurgood Marshall. But recently Mm -hmm. we see where most leaders, or a lot of our black leaders, don't have affiliation with these organizations, Mm -hmm. such as President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, even five of the six black CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. They're not members. 
Do mm-hmm. you think it's a coincidence, or do you think that people no longer view the benefits of being in a black Greek letter organization the same as they did in the post-Reconstruction era? Okay. So this, this I think, is a really good question, and I think it's something that um, when we have discussions between members and non-members, um, particularly African-Americans, this, this comes up. And I, I actually think the fact that all our black leaders are that are not in these organizations is actually a good thing because I think that shows that we have diversity within the African American race and these different people with different goals and different things that they subscribe to can still aspire to leadership. I think if we saw that only our only leaders were coming from these groups that would mean that somewhere along the way we didn't open up opportunities for other people to access things. So I think Mm -hmm. um, that's actually a good thing. What I would say, though, um, what I usually say to people who who bring this um, question to me is that I I think we need to complicate the word leader, right? So I think um, we can't just look at the people that um, society would necessarily deem leaders, um, mm-hmm. And I and I would even argue some people on this list are not Greek because they don't want to be, um, <laughs> and I think some of them had to make some decisions for their careers. But um, I I would argue that it wasn't for lack of desire, but that's a whole other story. Um, mm-hmm. I would, <laughs> um, but I think that um, we we still have the leaders. They may not be. Um, the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, but they may be the sit on the board of education um, for your state, or they may um, lead the, the a large nonprofit um, in your city. They may be the pastor of a large church in your community. Right. And I think that we still have to remember that those people are leaders as well. And so I think we can't just look at who's in front of us or who the media tells us our leaders are, but we have to decide who leaders are to us. And I think if you look at that, if you complicate leadership, um, I think you'll see that we still have many of our leaders in these organizations. And and I think that there is um, still a desire for some um, leaders to be part of these organizations but may not have an opportunity, let's say, because they're they're the organizations weren't on their campuses and or they didn't have the time to join as a, on the graduate level. Um, and so there's other circumstances other than, um, like I said before, than desire that play into why they may not be part of these organizations. And I think when you look at um, the Black Greek letter organizations that have honorary members, um, I think mm-hmm. that we there's never a shortage. I can see self, but there's never a shortage of people that want to be honorary members. <laughs> And so I think that there still is something to be said about the network, um, the prestige, for lack of better words, and, and what it means to be a black person and be part of these organizations. And so I don't think that, um, I wouldn't say a majority of leaders, I think, I don't think that they don't see the benefit um, of being in these organizations. And there may be people that don't, and there always were people that did not see the benefit, right? So that, that mm-hmm. never, that's not a new thing. Um, but I, I still think there are a number of leaders in our organizations 
Um, I think there are a number of leaders who still see the benefit of being member or pursuing membership in our organizations. And, um, I do our U.S. Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, um, is, is, or hopefully our future Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, um, was a charter member of her chest of the chapter of Double Sigma Theta sorority that she was initiated in. And so I, I think that there still is a benefit, and I think people still see that benefit. But as with all things, Everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea, and I think that's okay. I don't mm-hmm. think that's an indictment on the organizations. I think that is more speaks more to the diversity of our um, of our culture and our race. Mm-hmm. And those those are some really good, excellent points. So that that I thank you for that because that gives us a lot of different ways to really view that mm-hmm. same issue. But you talked about the diversity within the Black Greek Letter organizations, and I wanted to ask you about that um, because now we see that there's a growing number of Caucasians or other non-Black members um, mm-hmm. that are being accepted into these organizations. Now, do you think that has changed the original goals and missions of the organization, thereby possibly diluting their current relevance? Mm-hmm. So, so my short answer to this question is no. Okay. <laughs> That's the short answer. That's the short answer. Uh-oh. It gets a little complicated after that. So, okay. Um, okay. But my short answer is no. Um, right. So, um, but I think so. So I, I'm a I'm a I'm a PhD student. So I always I'm always thinking questions. Which one day that hopefully that will stop. But probably not. I I, I guess the question would be. Does membership dictate purpose or does purpose dictate membership, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think that because organizations um, have members who are white or who are non-black, that that changes the purpose of um, the organization. But rather, I would say that the purpose of the organization must speak to something that these um, persons authentically subscribe to. And I think the if you if we were to say that um, are the organizations being their purpose and relevancy being diluted because of these members joining, I think that has less to do with the members who are actually joining and more to do with the people who are um, facilitating the process of these members joining their organization, right? Because there's a responsibility for any any member that is joining and for anyone who is um, helping facilitate that, that process and truck towards membership, there's a responsibility to make sure that the values, the core values, the cardinal principles of these organizations are explicitly expressed to prospective members. And not only are they explicitly expressed to them, but they have a responsibility, current members have a responsibility to ensure that prospective members authentically subscribe to them. And so I think if that responsibility is taken seriously, no matter what the the race um, or culture of the person joining is, you have a person who's joining that authentically subscribes to what you say you believe in. And, And so they know coming in whether they, you know, if they are a, a white woman that is joining a black um, women's uh, sorority, that mm-hmm. being white does not let you off the hook from believing in the things that we believe or to 
to making black women central to what we are doing. You made that decision (laughs) that you said, I'm going to be on board with this when you decided to become a member. And I think that there is a um, responsibility on both ends um, to to ensure that that happens. And I think that um, that that happens more than we think. Um, I can speak from a personal experience. Um, On my college campus, I had a very good friend of mine who um, became a member of uh, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, who um, was um, Asian, he was Indian. And I remember asking, so, you know, because I was curious, you know, what, what drew you to want to be part of a black fraternity? Um, because it wasn't, you know, I think there's a stereotype that these members are people that kind of like fetish, fetishize black culture and they kind of right. want to be black, quote, unquote. But, you know, mm-hmm. he was not a person that I felt, uh, performed that. Um, he was a person who was very in touch with his culture. He was part of the Indian student group. He was part, um, he was very proud of his Indian culture. So I was very curious in what um, drew him to the black fraternity. And he said, I, I really believe in their principles and I really, um, really love their brotherhood and the way that they show brotherhood. And so I oh. felt that. Um, he had the same reasons many black men would join mm-hmm. that fraternity. So um, I don't think it changed the purpose. I mean, he's, very, he's still a very active member. He um, worked very hard in the organization. And, and I think you do see see that. I think when you see instances that make up the question what is going on, that there, there then becomes a question of, well, how did this person become, what was their past? to becoming part of this organization. And I think there's we have to put some of that responsibility on the current members who facilitated the process of them becoming members. But I, I don't think it dilutes um, the purpose. In fact, I think it shows that our purpose um, is one that can be bigger than the bounds of race and culture, that there are people who are outside of the black race who see the value in what we do and what we believe. Felicia, what are your feelings about whether or not BGLOs perpetuate black elitism? That's the question I really want to know. Yeah, now this one's a little tricky. I I just wrote a piece um, for um, uh, HBCULifestyle.com where I talked about um, some of the things I think um, around the sorority sisters show that we weren't talking about that we need to talk about. And it was more than the show and all the the general problems with the show, but I think there was some underlying things regarding respectability, regarding elitism um, that we kind of don't talk about, but they're there in the room. And um, so this idea, do they perpetuate black elitism? I think it's so tricky. Right, because I think by nature of organization that can dictate whether or not people become members, but in itself that process is elitist in in the purest form of the word, right? Because you're part mm-hmm. of an elite group, the same as mm-hmm. you know, I could go try out for an NBA team, but that does not mean that I'm going to make it. And because mm-hmm. they are an elite they are an elite group of athletes. Um, but I do think when we look at if we honestly look at the foundations of these organizations, that they were founded at a time where a majority of black people were not getting college education, 
could not afford to get college educations. And so um, many of, of these early um, uh, fraternities and sororities did have members who people would consider the black elite. And and I think, you know, you can't um, you can't ever really completely get away from the foundation of who you are. But I think that you can, like I said earlier, evolve. And so I think that we have, our organizations have come a very long way in being more diverse, um, whether it's class, um, whether it's um, looks, <laughs> whether mm-hmm. it's uh, race or culture. I think we've come come a long way from that. I think we're much more diverse um, in membership. And I, I actually think that um, these organizations are one of the best ways for persons who are from different class levels and different communities to connect with each other and find a common bond and see how they're more similar than they are dissimilar. But I do think that um, there are some notions of what we consider, um, I guess, uh, a good representation of black persons, of black men and black women that many would consider classist and elitist. And I think that those notions are still there, even in um, the way we're expected to dress at certain events or the the um, the money that it takes to be an active member. I think some of those Aww. things still <laughs> Right. Some of those things still speak to, um, you know, this notion of you should be in a certain place in your life, in a certain um, class setting or class level. And if you are not, this is what you should aspire to be. This is the ideal. And I think we we still have to have some discussions as to why we we believe those things. Um, and what does it say to those people who are not members of our organizations, what are we communicating um, to those persons? You know, we we go out, and these are communities that we serve, but are we um, subconsciously or consciously communicating that we're serving you because we think you're you're underneath of us, not we're serving you because we feel a strong connection to you and we want to use the resources that we have to help all of us. Um, and I think these are conversations we don't necessarily have, but we're going to have to have, particularly because we're seeing more diverse membership. And whenever you, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a college campus or anywhere else, when you increase diversity, you're going to have to have some conversations that you didn't have to have before. And um, I, yeah. I, I don't know if they perpetuate elitism, but I do think there are some currents of elitism that, that run through um, sometimes unsuspectingly. And I think we need to have conversations about that. And if we're okay with that, because we might be okay with that, you know, people don't want to say that. Um, but if we're okay with that or if that's something that does not um, does not reflect the values of our organization. Okay. Wow. Hold on for a second, Janae. I know you're, you're coming up next, but we actually have one of our shout-out callers, and this is a person that both Leisha and I know very well. Um, we have Dr. <laughs> Terrell Strayhorn calling in from Columbus, Ohio. Um, welcome to the show, Terrell. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you all? Doing great. well. Great. Well. Great. Wonderful. Great. We have your um, your friend, Felicia, on the line. She's <laughs> giving us some wonderful information. But we want I know. To I've been listening offer- in. You have. <laughs> wonderful. Have. Wonderful. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself and your your fraternal um affiliation, and 
why you are a proud member of the organization. Well, so as um, you mentioned, I'm Terrell Strayhorn uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I'm a proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, largely because the um, principles and ideals of the organization align so perfectly with what, one, I think um, a fraternity ought to be about. It aligns with so much of what I'm committed to in my own life, and it brings me in close contact and strong um, brotherhood with so many other men who share those same commitments around uh, scholarship, love for all mankind, and um, making sure that as men in society we are making um, a difference through our deeds. Hmm. So, I'm going to ask you this question. When did you know that you wanted to be an alpha? When did you first realize that? Where, where in your education were you? Or was it before you? I, I was out? as an undergrad. Um, I I ran into a lot of friends, and um, you know, I wasn't a person who used the word mentor a lot at that time. But I mean, people who who came to be mentors for me, uh, men who were role models, who occupied different um, occupations or jobs and positions that I aspired to one day hold, and I would start talking with them. And they were all very um, accomplished men. They had done well academically. They had done well professionally on their job. Many of them were leaders in their field, in their church, in their home. And, you know, somewhere in our conversation or some pin on their blazer or some article um, in their car or in their office, I would recognize the seal of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And I just thought this is phenomenal that so many great men, not just the historic um, cast of leaders who have been members of the fraternity, but modern-day leaders who I know are all a part of this organization. And it started to affirm for me that I wanted to also be part of an organization that brought together so many um, men around the same aims. Hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Terrell, for calling in, and I'll talk to you on this week. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Right. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have another caller on the line. We have Lester from Virginia. Welcome to the show, Lester. Well, good, uh, good evening. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, tell us your uh, your fraternal affiliation and why you're proud to be a member. Fantastic. I'm a proud member of Omega Psi Psi Fraternity Incorporated, and, um, again, like just like the previous caller, um, I, I, I attended Norfolk State some time ago, and I would see all the young men just doing so many positive things, you know, giving back to the community and just really uh, successful businessmen. And, again, so what I did was once I finished um, Norfolk State, I decided to get involved, to, get, to do my part and give back. So over the years I've met so many men that's, that's moving and shakers, willing to help uh, another um, person to, to pull them up, if you will, and just connect and network and the bonds and friendship that I've developed um, over the years has just been phenomenal. So it's just been a, a positive thing all you know, all the way around in terms of being able to just be role models for, for other you know young men as well. And so that's why I'm here today to, to say I'm a proud member of Omega Psi Five Attorney. Well, how long have you been all a right. member? Um, since 1993, so it's been some time then. It's over 20 years. Do you still keep in contact with your line brothers? 
Absolutely. Matter of fact, um, most of them are, are, um, are nearby within um, a 15-mile radius, so it's even better. I lost one um, um, about two years ago, but other than that, all six of us were, we were still proud members of the Mega South Pass Attorney. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for wow. calling in. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Janae, you want to go ahead and wrap okay. up with your final question? Yes, so sorry, Felicia, I have one final question for you. Okay. And that is, <laughs> what is the role that you see um, within the black great letter organizations moving forward? What role do you see that we have? Well, I think that there is such a unique power in collective um, power, right? And I, mm-hmm. I think um, that these organizations have a unique ability to really call people together around an issue. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. looking at what happened with sorority sisters, if nothing else, whether you agreed with what happened or not, I think mm-hmm. it showed us what we can do when we actually use the network that we have and and, and rally around an issue. Um, mm-hmm. We were able to take a show off of ne- of a major cable network, and I think that um, I think that should be a Kickstarter to us to see that if we can do that with something like a television show, imagine what we could do um, addressing the ills of racism and and the uh, um, inequities and the social injustices that are going on in our country, which really call to the heart of why many of these organizations were started. And um, and I think that because of the unique structure of Black Greek letter organizations, where we have undergraduate membership as well as graduate membership, um, I think that connects um, a very um, two very two very powerful groups. One that may have more um, more of the innovative, more energetic power, and one group that may, because of where they're at in their life have more financial, more economic, um, more political power. And if we can get all of those together, I think we can start to see changes in legislation. I think we can start to see changes in um, our communities. I think we can even start to see changes in things that we don't think about, um, like the way our students are, are serviced or, or treated on, the, on our campuses, the way that our um, young people are treated in their communities. Um, I think that we have a unique opportunity because of the structure, because of that bond that fraternal organizations create um, that says, though you're different than me, we're the same, and we believe in the same thing, and I'm going to support you and you're going to support me. I think if we, we really rally together, we could, we, we could definitely change some of the things that we aren't happy about in this country, in our communities, yeah. in this society, but we really have to believe that we can do it, and I think we, we are seeing it. And now we now we see it work. We need to take it to the next level. Awesome, absolutely. Felicia, awesome. we want to thank you so much. We want you to give give you the opportunity. You're a member of Delta Sigma Theta. Why are you so proud? We know you've shared a lot of information right now, but why personally are you proud? So, I am a, a proud to be a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated because right. um, the the passion for excellence and sisterhood and social action that are um, very um, at the core of the values of um, our organization, I think speak very closely to the things that are the core values within my own personal life. 
And um, it's very powerful to me to see a group of women, women who on their own as individuals are powerful, are, are influential, are amazing uh, spiritually, uh, academically, um, professionally. I, I, to see that women who can stand alone um, uh-huh. come together and, 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 and create this bond that makes them take all of their individual awesomeness and make it put into this big pool and, and move in a force that can change the world around them and make it a better and make it a more just world, um, that makes me proud to see that we can put our own personal agendas aside and, and champion um, other women of excellence and say together we can do so much more than we could ever do by ourselves. Amazing. Wow. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for joining in, Felicia. Um, we really appreciate it and hope that you have an uh, awesome week. Yes, and you, you as well. Thank you for having Thank me. You, I really Felicia. enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next, we have Tamika calling in from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Welcome to the show, Tamika. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Sorry for the delay. So you introduce yourself, your um, affiliation with your sorority, and why you're proud to be a member. I am a very proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. I pledged right. to be a graduate student. Okay. Um, <laughs> April 2001. Um, I've been, I was familiar with Greekdom um, all my life. My, my parents and my brother were all Greek. Um, and it just very much intrigued me wanting to know a little bit more about why they chose what they chose um, and if that was something that I would then, as I, you know, transitioned to college, was something that I would do. So I heard, you know, what they said. I did my own research just to make determinations on what values um, that I would most gravitate towards, and it just so happens mm-hmm. that I gravitated towards the um, same sorority as my mother. Um, but when I make that decision, I had to do a very good internal decision about, am I doing this because it's me? Am I doing this because of my mother? And I recognized that the woman that I was transitioning to be was very much in line with the values and the history of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Um, I really feel that um, the sorority has been making strides um, for the betterment of our society for women, for children, for men, for our community um, since their establishment, since the establishment in 1913. And I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to make sure that I was part of something greater than myself to make the world greater than it was and, and, and get it to a place that we know that it should be. And I feel like Delta Sigma Theta is very much in tune with the community and doing all that she can to make our community a better community for all, and I wanted to be part of that. So I made that choice, and I am an active financial member since 2001, and I am working in my community with my sorority and my chapter to do just what the sorority is created to do. All right. right. And chill through. That's been chill through me. (laughs) Yeah. I can tell that you're passionate about that. I can tell. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Laurel. I believe we have another caller. We have Royale from Columbus, Ohio. Hey, how you doing? 
good, 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 good. Um, can you please share with us your fraternal affiliation and why you're so proud to be a member? Sure. I am a very proud member of the oldest and coldest Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated <laughs> from the University oh. of Illinois, Tall Chapter, crossed in fall 2008. I'm excited and blessed to be a part of Alpha. Uh, so many of the core values of manly deed scholarship and love for all my mankind are characteristic of the values that I hold and try to represent and model for younger generations. And it's a blessing to be a part of a group of men who um, share similar values and who are on similar trajectories. And so that's why I'm proud. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good evening. Been some good good people calling in. So what do you say you're going to do, Alicia? I'm gonna need to just go to a local chapter meeting <laughs> and stop putting, you know, stop, stop, you know, procrastinating as, as, as we do. Sounds like you're procrastinating. I just need to go to the next meeting. Yeah. Yeah. See it come back. See it come back. Three deltas, you know. Uh, I mean, that's confirmation. So that's how we do. <laughs> yes. We have another caller coming in from Smithville, right. Virginia. We have Miss Monique Garrett. Welcome to the show, Monique. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. And like you said, I'm Monique Garrett, and I'm a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. I actually um, pledged uh, Spring 97 at the University of Virginia. And for me, I uh, I grew up down the street from Howard University. So I grew up around just Greek life. You know, Howard is famous um, for just their homecomings and the step shows. My dad was a Kappa that pledged at uh, Howard University. My aunt is an AKA. My cousin was an Alpha. So kind of in my family, I didn't really have a choice but to be an AKA. And and just really when I looked at the organization, that was the one that really appealed to me. Um, the, the thought of being, I'm, I grew up as an only child, so I didn't have, I had one God sister. So the thought of being able to connect with several other women, and we all had that in common, and then just knowing that that relationship, that bond would benefit me throughout my life, that I could, you know, go to another country, I could go to another city, I could go for a job interview, I could be driving down the street, and I could see a woman that ordinarily probably would never speak to me. Mm-hmm. But she'll blow her horn, she'll throw her pinky up at me because we both have AKA license plates. Um, uh, that's something that is special, and I think uh, that's really kind of one of the benefits of being in an organization is women, especially for women, and I'm going to say this even for our sisters, you know, just keeping it real, sometimes we don't speak to each other. We'll look each mm-hmm. other up and down and like, you know, like the shoes that one of us has on, our hair, our outfit, mm-hmm. but we won't see anything. But for some reason, that wall seems to come down when you see that that person has the same colors as you, and you're like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to give her some respect because I know we share an experience. So that's a good thing, but then it's also kind of one of those things where I think, you know, we need to work on just sisterhood beyond the colors and sisterhood beyond the letters of our organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just like, you know, the caller said earlier or the, the guest about, being able to come together and be a voice in the community. Um, mm-hmm. I, I look at a lot of the young girls out here now. When my husband is a is an Omega, and when we go to their cookouts, you know, you see the young girls coming, the ones that are doing, they're doing their little steps and flinging, you know, their hair and stepping, and 
you know, you, you reminisce, it's nostalgic, you remember back in the days when you mm-hmm. used to do that, but we also have to kind of remember why our organizations were founded, the women that founded them, what were their standards, and we have to not disrespect the organization in terms of how we carry ourselves. Um, I always tell my kids, you know, you're Christians, but don't carry yourself like everybody else. You're supposed to be distinguished from other people. And so I guess I would say nowadays with, you know, the younger generation, distinguish yourself. You know, you you went Mm -hmm. through a process. You are distinguished the fact that you are a member of Delta Sigma Theta. You're a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, you know, Sigma Gamma Rho, Kappa Alpha Psi, Omega Psi Phi. That's what makes us distinguished. And there are people that are looking up to us just like we looked up to them, just like uh, the gentleman earlier um, when he called in, he said every man that he knew that was a role model for him was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. We have to keep that in mind now as I think we owe that when we wear our letters and our colors that there was a price that was paid for us. You know, there was there was effort that was putting in put into us having these organizations. And we have to keep that in mind and not lose focus on why we were originally founded. And, you know, right. just set some great examples in our community. It should be people wanting to be um, a Delta Sigma Theta, Alpha Kappa Alpha, not wanting to be these people they see on the videos because they're going to come and go. But our organizations have been around for hundreds of years. So I'm just, you know, I've just really appreciated my experience. And, um, you know, I'm just looking forward. I love always meeting new sororers, whether they're an AK or whether they're not. It's just respecting Mm -hmm. the process and and the um, relationship that exists there. Wow. Wow, great point. Do you still keep in contact with your, your line sisters? I do. We keep in contact on Facebook, and it's amazing to see one of them uh, just, uh, she's up at Harvard University, and she's, um, no, excuse me, Yale, and she's becoming a, um, a, a she's becoming a professor there. You know, you see them when they get married and they have kids, and we do still keep in contact. And even for me in business, I've had people that will say, you know what, I'm talking to this lady about business, and she's an AKA, and I want you to talk to her. And so, you know, just because of that connection, it's a level of respect and trust. So I still keep in contact with lots of them and and connect with a lot of new sororers. That's amazing. Thanks so much for calling Uh, in, Monique. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Monique. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. I think more than anything, that's really what I want. I want that brotherhood that so many people talk about. I'm already heavily involved in community service, but health issues and um, things like that. But I think more than anything, I really want that special bond and the mental, because I don't really have it. I have an older brother. I haven't seen him um, in a while, years. And I don't have any mentors um, to look up to. So I really, really think that's really what I crave most from being in the fraternity is that, that, that connection, that brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's what I really want. It's okay. amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Janae, how long have you been a doctor, you said? Um, I actually um, pledged in fall 96 at Virginia State University. Oh, Virginia State. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And do you keep in contact with your line sisters? I sure do. I sure do. Actually, one of my best friends was actually my line sister as well. But I have quite a few that live in this area, and a lot of them live in the Petersburg, Richmond area. So Facebook, birthdays, weddings, all that good stuff. Hmm. 
And, you know, I yep. have a question, and I can ask you. Um, and I know, you know, there's certain things you guys can't answer. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one day I'll be able to say that. But um, I always wanted to know, because I, I, I'll be graduating from um, actually two-year college in May, transferring to either Old Dominion or Norfolk State, where um, I'm trying to decide. You know, I'm getting up there in age, so I'm like 40 years old. And I'm I'm trying to say, you know, do I want to be the oldest person online or do I want to wait to go to um, do do grad chapter? Because I'm thinking people are saying, you know, because of the the fees and all that kind of stuff, it may be better for me to do online. But I'm thinking usually, like you said, you keep in contact with your 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 line sisters. And if I'm mm-hmm. online with a whole bunch of 18, 19 year olds, and I'm twice their age, I'm trying to figure out, you know. Well, you know, it depends on on what kind of experience you're looking for. But I have to admit that one of our line sisters, um, unfortunately, she's deceased now. But we had one that was much older than us because she actually, her son was in college with us when we were all online. And it was amazing. Mm. I mean, we looked up to her. I mean, it was just a bond that you really can't um, explain. So mm-hmm. I don't think the age had anything to do with them. We were together. We were together. So it just it depends on what you want. But that had no bearing on the experience that she had. And actually, when we came out, she was kind of like our our um, the person that called everything out for us. It was just really great. So. Oh, okay, awesome. Um, we have, I think, our final call on the line. We have Shira Thomas from Woodbridge, Virginia. Welcome to the show, Shira. Hi, thank you for having me. So can you please state your um, affiliation and why you're so proud to be a member? Sure. Um, so I'm a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Authority Incorporated. I was initiated into the Theta Phi chapter at Virginia Tech in the spring of 2010. And I've been afforded so many opportunities because of Alpha Kappa Alpha and just what it's taught me personally, um, what it's taught me about being business-minded. I'm now a business owner at 24. Um, wow. It's just really opened my eyes to a lot of things, a lot of issues that weren't plaguing me but plaguing others in my community. And so through the sorority, I was able to just accomplish so much more because I was with a group of women who wanted to accomplish the same thing. So knowing that my voice could be heard as an individual, but I could scream a lot louder in a group um, really just made me proud to be a member, proud to be a part of my chapter and a part of um, the sorority as a whole. And, I mean, every day I, I look at things that I'm doing and things that I'm accomplishing and understanding what what I've been taught through the sorority um, and how that's helped me to get where I am today. And it's just been um, definitely a blessing and an experience that I would, I don't think I would ever change. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Shara. I really appreciate it. Thank you. 24, that's amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Bye. So I think the question has been answered, right? I think they're very much still relevant. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people have benefited. Um, Our very own Janae Williams has benefited. I believe very soon Alicia Brown may have benefited as well. (laughs) Amen. Maybe maybe if we do this show in in another couple years, maybe (laughs) call in and and shout out. But um, we do have an exciting show 
next week. The Power of Forgiveness, March 1st. Um, actually, introducing also a new segment, which um, Alicia will talk about in a few seconds. But Frederick Allman, at the age of 11, a burglar broke into his home and stabbed and killed his mother and also stabbed him 39 times, leaving him for dead. So tune in next Sunday for his amazing story and his testimony on how he had to learn the power of forgiveness for himself. Also, we have Real Talk with Alicia Brown, one of our new segments. Tell us about that, Alicia. Well, those that know me best know that I'm opinionated. So I have an opinion on every single thing and something to say. (laughs) But Real Talk with Alicia Brown is designed to just talk about real-life issues, the things we're all talking about, and just give you interesting perspectives and interesting thoughts um, on, on those topics. So... Next week, I'll be talking a little bit about Fifty Shades of Grey and how you can apply that or should not apply that to your life. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait to that segment. Can't wait. Yes, yes. Um, also, please stay tuned um, for Elevated Minds coming up directly after this show. Um, we're your host. I'm Will Strayhorn. I'm Janae Kay. And I'm Alicia Brown. Yes, Let's face it, in life you're going to be faced with many choices. But the most important choice that you will ever make is when you make the choice to be bold, be beautiful. Make the choice to be you. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and friends on the Survival Radio Network. Please be sure to visit us on the web often at letsfaceitradio.com for the latest in show information, including upcoming shows, special guests, spotlight interviews, as well as exciting, innovative ways that you can be part of the show. So tune in next week for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.